0: Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of God. Oh, it's uh, great to be here with you today and to be continuing um, yeah, the series on, on, on gratitude. And It's been a great week to be here. I enjoyed singing, guys. Thanks so much for leading us in that. It's been a, it's been a long time coming uh, without singing, so so good to be able to do that and good to be able to get into God's Word now. Um, I don't know about you guys, I've been finding this series really uh, helpful so far, uh, and it's really practical just to be considering how I'm going and actually being grateful over this season. I had a really uh, particular opportunity to put last week's teaching into practice over the week. Those who weren't here, looked at Luke chapter 12, which is this passage where Jesus is talking about God's provision and why it is that we shouldn't be uh, worrying about material things. And despite some coincidence, this is actually the passage we had at our wedding, and so I had that uh, as a gift given to me and Sarah framed above my desk. And this week, that uh, amazingly beautiful passage fell down off my wall, knocked a cup of tea into my computer... Uh, decimating it. And so I had an instant opportunity just to practice that by just counting my blessings and being grateful to God. Um, it did actually take quite a while for me to kind of realize the irony of it and to be thankful. But uh, but, but but it's relevant stuff we're looking at here. And, and this week's no different. We're looking at the topic of rest, which um, on the back of the year that we've just had and at the time of year that we find ourselves in is really, really relevant. Um, we live in a world that is desperate for rest. I think this is really obvious in the way that you can kind of look at advertising. You've maybe heard the phrase that sex sells as in like if you put something, it's actually provocative with with an item, people are going to want to buy it. I reckon it's more the case at the moment here in Australia that rest sells. Uh, I went on my Facebook this week and had a bit of a scroll through and um, honestly, you know, in the first kind of little bit of scrolling, I found three ads which I reckon were using rest as the main kind of sales thing. The first was Koala mattresses, uh, which I bought years ago, but I still get advertised every single day for a mattress in a box. Somehow a boxed mattress is going to kind of up your sleep life way more than a spring mattress. Um, Don't really know how that works. The other one was Uber Eats. It was just someone, you know, in their pajamas eating a burger. And again, that's the idea that like, if you go Uber, you don't cook your own meal, you're going to be so much more rested, so much more relaxed. Next one there was a bit, I don't know if you can still argue for it, but it was like a ceramic mug. Um, Like, the idea, I guess, being with the, with the girls having the, the tea in this mug, that a normal mug that's not like ceramic is not going to kind of convey the same amount of rest. Um, maybe we've got some agreement for that down here. Um, but there's one item that you may not think of, which is something that I've gotten into this year, which is called a Shakti mat. Now, does anyone here know what a Shakti mat is? We've got a few people who are familiar. Yeah, maybe it's more of a thing than, than, than I thought it was. Um, I've got a picture up on the screen for those who might not be aware. Um, it's it's basically a mat full of like a thousand spikes that supposedly, if you lie on relaxes you um, and so like if you know uh, it basically says due to uh, beds of nails have been used as relax- relaxation aid for five thousand years I googled that I don't think it's true but um, <laughs> basically you lie on this bed of spikes and after you know ten minutes of pain you do start to feel a bit relaxed. And, oh, and like, the thing is, it really works. Like, I use this two or three times a week. Um, I think the w- reason it works is that the blood is like leaving your brain and going to your back, which can't be good for anything, but it makes you feel really nice. Probably the same relaxation you'd get if you donate blood. So, um, <laughs> but, but I think that this is from their website. And like, you can sell anything with rest. If you promise to rest, you can literally sell someone an $80 mat full of spikes for them to lie on because we are desperate to, to rest. Um, I going as we finish this year and, and it has been a tough year it's been a tough year for our church um, it's been a tough year for those who, who are in leadership here and who are serving across the board in all the different areas it's been a tough year for our country and our world we need to remember and be thankful for the fact that we've got an amazing rest in Jesus um, that's what we're going to be looking at today those, those couple of short verses that, Je, that Jez just read we're just going to be kind of soaking in that now reflecting on what it is that Jesus invites us into and how it is that we've got a rest for our souls, if, we, if you know Jesus, that really you can't get anywhere else. So I'm just going to pray now and I'm going to get into it. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you uh, for your word. Um, not just in, in a quick line, but in a, in a deep reality that, that um, the fact that you speak to us is something to be grateful for, that we don't have to navigate this world on our own. We don't have to try to figure everything out on our own. But you have spoken. Uh, you are speaking to us now, and you're not just speaking idle, dead words, but you're speaking words of life, uh, words that, that can transform our hearts and our minds. And so we pray as we get into your word now that you'll be doing that, that we would actually enjoy this time uh, with you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be sitting in these three verses of Matthew chapter 11, which is just part of Jesus' teaching about what life is all about. And if you, if you look at these verses, you see in verse 28 that it begins with an invitation, which is, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus' invitation isn't just to anyone. It's to people who are feeling weary, burdened like they're carrying a great weight. I feel like it's a metaphor. that just kind of works well. Like you don't have to th- even think about the fact that it's a metaphor. Obviously, it's not talking about a physical burden. It's talking about A kind of a soul inward experience, but all of us can relate to this, this idea of just feeling weighed down. Part of my schooling was outdoor ed, so once every year we would have to kind of load up in a backpack everything we'd need for four days, so food, water, clothes and a tent, and you'd you'd set off and walk through the bush a bunch of kilometers. And carrying these backpacks would turn what otherwise would just be quite a probably relaxing, nice walk uh, through the bush into something that would leave you at the end of the day just feeling sore and exhausted. Sometimes more than others. I reckon everyone who was at a school that did this kind of thing at least once did the prank of putting a rock in the bottom of someone's bag. I have such clear memories of getting this perfectly smooth rock, probably the size of a brick, and one morning putting it in the bottom of this guy. He was a bit, was a bit of a loudmouth sort of guy, so he would feel like he could cop it. And, and, and to, just to be watching him throughout the day, oblivious, tired, worn-out sore, but not knowing that he was just carrying this extra dead weight through the day. And obviously he was furious at the end of it. Um... <laughs> I reckon you can get through, it, through a day just feeling like that, just feeling like I've been worn down and I'm tired. I, I carry stress on my shoulders so sometimes after a hard day, even if it's been like on the computer or talking to people or some, some stressful thing going on, where you just feel physically weary. Jesus is calling those and inviting those who feel like they're carrying a heavy load. And I think intentionally he doesn't spell out exactly what the nature of this burden is. It's, it's so broad that I think captures really everyone in some part of life. And if you look through the stories of Jesus' life, you see him calling people into fellowship with him, into relationship with him, that, that carry a whole range of burdens. I think the big one is the burden of sin, the sense of moral failure that, that we each have, the sense that we haven't done right either by God or by others, that we carry in us like an evil streak that just kind of runs through our life. It's the burden of guilt and shame that comes with that. And when Jesus meets people that experience it, he, he invites them. So he says to Mary Magdalene the prostitute, he says, come. There's the burden, I guess, that goes a bit with that, the burden of the law, the pressure to, to kind of fix that sin problem by, by doing right, living an upright, moral life, to be a good person, to be someone who is religious. Um, but with that comes a, comes a burden of never knowing if you're good enough, when Jesus meets the religious people, in, people like Paul, the Pharisee, he says to him, come. He invites him in. There's the burden of the difficulties of this world, the burden and the pressure and the exhaustion that comes with living through poverty or mistreatment or oppression or, or the poor health of you or those around you. When Jesus walked the earth, he, he, he walked through the multitudes of poor, sick and oppressed, and he said to them, Come come and rest there's the burden that just comes from living in a world that does life the way that our world does it the burden of careerism the idea that you need to advance or succeed to make something of yourself that if you don't live up to your full potential in some way that 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 your life's kind of for nothing that's an exhaust, exhausting pressure to live under to always have to be getting promoted always have to be climbing To Matthew, the influential tax collector, climbing up the Roman ranks, Jesus says, come and rest. There's the burden of materialism, that you need a bit more. You need a bit more in your bank account. You need a bit more nice things in your house, maybe a new phone, a better wardrobe, a new car. To the rich young ruler who is weighed down by everything that he owns, Jesus says, come and rest. There's the burden of self-image, that we are in bodies that are aging that we're losing hair, getting worse skin. We've got bodies that if we don't maintain them, they go out of shape. And there's this pressure to keep up. I couldn't think of an example from the Bible, someone who like, fits that description neatly. I don't think they had mirrors or go-to skincare or gyms back then. But I'm sure if Jesus went down to Bondi Beach, he'd say to the guy with the calf implants and the shaved chest, he'd say, come, that's exhausting, come and rest. There's the burden of Hurry. I think we all feel this. There's the burden to get so much done. There's too much to do and not enough time. There's this frantic streak to the world that is all around us. We've got notifications, emails, to-do lists, people to catch up with, people that we feel like we're letting down by not seeing them in a world that can't say no. And so to Jesus' friend Martha, who's rushing around the house trying to get everything perfect, Jesus says, stop, come and rest. With all these burdens, I think we find ourselves in a, in a pretty weary world. I wonder what weariness you're feeling today. What, like what's the, what's the load on your back that you just want to get off, that you're carrying? Maybe it's a bunch. Maybe some of, well, some of us are trying to be sinless, trying to be successful, to look great, to be rich, to have a clear inbox, to have everyone around us cared for nicely. That's exhausting. So when Jesus says, Come you who are weary and burdened he's not talking to a select couple of people the really tired ones out there he's talking to all of us and he's offering rest and the next verse shows us where this rest is to be found verse 29 jesus says take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm gentle and humble in heart we see here what the invitation that Jesus is saying actually is, and it's to take Jesus' yoke upon you. Now, I grew up at a church, and so I heard this probably first when I was quite young, and for, I don't know how long, but at least years, I was kind of had this imagery of, like, getting, like, an egg cracked on my head, like the idea of a yoke. Um, and I spoke to someone this morning who's been a Christian for quite a long time. Today, he, Up till today, he thought that's what was going on as well. Um, and so I'm going to, uh, so if you're in that boat, you're not alone. Um, but the yoke that's been spoken about here is not an egg yoke. Uh, it's a different spelling, in fact. Uh, it's it's a, this kind of wooden bar that would be placed if you're an you know, ancient Near Eastern farmer and you'd have a couple of ox or, or cattle. You'd put a, a bar over their shoulders to kind of yoke them, to link them together so that they could walk in sync, step by step, and pull a plow along. So this, this yoke is a, it's an object of work. So it's quite ironic that Jesus is you know, he's calling out to people who are feeling weighed down and exhausted. And the thing that he's offering isn't a pillow. Um, it's a yoke. It's this bar to put on your shoulders and, and, and to work, which is interesting to think about. But what we see is that, is that this yoke with Jesus is the key to finding rest. And I think it's making us think about the metaphor here. Because what he's actually doing is he's inviting you in To walk side by side with him to shoulder his load but also to have him shoulder your load it's not a yoke that's adding another burden or another pressure to your already exhausted life it's actually a yoke that relieves pressure Jesus is really saying stop what you're doing, stop going at it alone in in the way that you're working which is the way that the world works which is leaving you burdened and flat and he's saying come and do it my way in fact, come so close. Come so close that we're walking next to each other step by step. We'll do it together, and you'll find that that's easy. And he says, learn from me, because Jesus was a teacher. A, whole part, a huge part of Jesus' life, it was kind of, half of it's what he did, the other half is what he said. And he taught on a whole bunch of stuff. He spoke on sin, what it is, what to do about it, how to understand the law, but also how to think through marriage and sex and relationships and, and power, what to love, what to treasure how to trust in God, and he spoke about what that trust in God looks like. So he's got this whole wealth of teaching, and he's saying, come and listen to this. Come and listen to my perspective on the world. Come and, and learn from me. Understand how it all works. Watch what I do and be like me. That's his call. And he's saying, if you do that, if you get away from the way the world's doing it, come, yoke with me, learn from me, you're going to find Rest. It's, it's a massive invitation. Uh, it's an invitation to really change your whole life, to do things different, to to come and submit yourself to Jesus and be close to Him. That really, being submitted to Jesus is the key to a rest of the soul. And, and the reason for that, the reason that rest is found in a life that is closely tied to Jesus is because of what Jesus is like. It's the case, isn't it, that... that living and working closely alongside someone, what they are like is going to affect your experience of that. One of the um, most enjoyable things I've read this year has been the biography of Steve Jobs, who's the, the founder and for most of its existence, the CEO of Apple. Um, and I loved it. it I, it's worth reading this summer, if there's any nerd in you at all, um, because it's kind of it's just this great story of this guy that really has changed the world. Steve Jobs said that he wanted to make a ding in the universe, but he's honestly transformed in some part, just kind of all of our everyday lives. If you've ever changed fonts in a Word document or used a computer mouse uh, or a computer that can display graphical images, if you enjoyed Toy Story or a Bug's Life or Monsters, Inc., if you have a smartphone or a computer in your home uh, or an MP3 player that can have more than 30 songs, then in some part, you can thank Steve Jobs for that. And if you're like a PC guy that's doubting his impact, just imagine a world where the best phone was a BlackBerry, or the highlight of using a computer was Microsoft Excel, or that the best computer-animated insect-themed movie of 1998 was Ants. Um, <laughs> biggest disaster of 1998. So you'd think, right, with, with, with kind of his, everything that he did, and obviously his genius brain, people would want to would work for this guy. But the thing that was interesting in this biography is that it kind of didn't pull any punches in showing what Steve Jobs was really like. He got fired from Apple for a time because he was so hard to manage and work with. Those who worked under him were constantly quitting. There was such a high turnover of those directly underneath him. He would daily have outbursts that where he would yell and swear at his designers for making things that were too curved or not curved enough, or too blue or not blue enough. Sometimes the same thing, even when it's not changed, he'd have both opinions. He would burst into tears and sob, in meetings filled with people when it was announced there was a delay to production. He'd steal ideas from his employees and then claim them as his own, like honestly believing that he'd come up with them. He would get angry when people wanted to go home that worked for him and spend time with their families, and he neglected his own. He was chronically unhealthy, with many saying his fixation on his work to the expense of his health and his poor diet meant he didn't even get the appropriate help that he may have been able to get from his cancer which eventually cost him his life. The picture of his life, he was he was incredible in so many ways, but it was clear that the, that the closer you were in proximity to him, the more stress, the more burnout, the more anxiety that you had to go through if you worked at Apple. Not many people could handle working in close proximity to him for, for much time. So I wonder, what is it like to be in close proximity to Jesus? How does what Jesus is like affect our experience of, of linking our life closely and intimately to him. Because I think that's why Jesus says what he says next. He's just invited you to be yoked to him, but then he explains. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. I wonder if you think of the words, word association of Jesus. Um, if I said Jesus, what's the first word? I wonder how many people would say Gentle. This isn't even a word we use very much, like, except for when you're talking to a child about how they should treat a pet. That's when you would be gentle. But other than that, we don't even really use the word. I had to Google it to even remind myself of what it means, and this is the definition. To be gentle is to have a mild, kind, or tender temperament or character. How, how good is that description of Jesus? A mild, kind, and tender temperament and character. Jesus isn't someone who is easily angered by you. He's not snappy. He's not disappointed or pushy. But he's someone who has a warm heart towards those who would come to him. He offers you an embrace, even if you're someone who feels like you don't deserve that, or that he wouldn't want that, even if you're not clean or perfect or put together. But if you're a weary mess, burdened by sin, you're actually the one Jesus is saying, come. Come to me. He's warm towards you. He, he wants you to follow him. He wants you to be linked to him. He wants to do life with you. And he's humble in heart. That is, he's not looking down his nose, overbearing, just with a sense of superiority. Even though he's got every right to feel superior to you and I, he, he doesn't. In fact, he's self-sacrificial. He's the sort of person that you would just feel at rest to spend time with. In fact, the more that you're with Jesus and really with Him, you will experience more rest. That's the promise that Jesus is making. Walking with Him and becoming like Him is the key to rest. Because Jesus was the master of true rest. His soul wasn't like yours and mine, caught up in the frantic, selfish, sinful mess that we find ourselves in in this world. Rather, He was the living out of what it means to have your soul at rest in God. God. See, if being burdened and weary comes from having our soul caught up in things that are fleeting or hard to come by or temporal, then being truly inwardly on a soul level at rest comes from being anchored in something that is permanent and good and unchanging and life-giving. That's what Jesus shows. He did this. He went through life through poverty, opposition, pain and difficulty, completely trusting in his Father in perfect relationship with him. Even to the point of death, that, so that he could lead us to experience the rest that he experienced. This is what he offers in being yoked to him. He says, if you do this, if you're yoked to him in his gentleness and humility, if you learn from him, he says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dallas Woods got this insight that I think is just so helpful in understanding this yoke. He says, Being in his yoke is not a matter of taking on additional labor to crush us all the more, but a matter of learning how to use his strength and ours together to bear our load and his. We will find his yoke an easy one and his burden a light one, because in learning from him we have found rest to our soul. What we have learned is primarily to rest our soul in God. Rest to our soul is rest in God. My soul is at peace only when it is with God as a child with its mother. Jesus offers rest. So I want you to hear the invitation again. If Actually, Ben, if we can go back to that the verse, um, just the Matthew verse again. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Eugene Peterson, who, who's a, who was a pastor, um, did a paraphrase of the Bible to kind of flesh out what each part of the Bible meant to him. And so I want to read what his version of this is, it's just to help us really, really get it. He says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What an invitation this is. It's like, it couldn't couldn't really be a better one, really. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing that Jesus is offering. To get rest. To let your burden go. To experience deep in in your heart of hearts in the core of your being a peace and so I've got two questions I just want to finish this time with really to kind of two groups of people in the room firstly I want to ask have you accepted this invitation Jesus doesn't take a posture here of being domineering or forceful um, or pushy but he offers an invitation and often in, in the gospels there's this language of an invitation And an invitation demands a response. Um, You can choose not to accept the invitation. You can choose to continue in weariness. You can choose to not trust that Jesus can do what he's saying he can do. Or you can follow him. And if you follow him, you'll, you'll, you'll come to a place where this rest really begins, which is at the cross. The biggest burden that we experience is the separation that we have from God. The uncertainty of whether we're really right with him the uncertainty of what will happen after we die just the knowledge that that we're not okay with him weighs us down this is the first burden that jesus would would want to lose from you if you came to him he took to the death the weight of your sin that's what happened on the cross he, he died in our place so that we wouldn't have anything getting in between us and God again. John Bunyan in 1678 wrote a book called The Pilgrim's Progress, which to this day is the best-selling novel of all time, and it's an allegorical story um, fleshing out what it is to be a, a Christian, and it tells the story of a pilgrim, of a pilgrim named Christian, who's travelled with a great burden on his back through doubt trials and temptation. And he tells this story that this burden is only finally taken off when he encounters the cross. And I really just love this part of the story. so I'm just going to read it for you Where where, where Christian loses his burden. It picks up, I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was forced to go was fenced on either side with a wall that was called salvation. Up this way therefore did burdened Christian run but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. Christian ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending and and upon that place stood a cross and a little below in the bottom a tomb. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross, his burden loosed from his shoulders and fell from his back and began to tumble and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell in and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. I just love that final description of what it is to, for the first time in life, experience what it is to exist without a burden on your back. That he's glad and lightsome. That he understands that what has happened is that he has been given rest because of the sorrow of Jesus. And I've had the privilege over the years to see a, a, a bunch of people come to know Jesus for the first time and experience that and, and to talk to them about that and time and time again I've heard people describe it as being like a load off like there's a lightness about it a restfulness about it but that is really the key to having rest in our souls and that's just the beginning of a life lived differently that's, that's, that's day one and then Jesus would, would call you on to, to walk with him through life living in all areas of life in the most restful way possible That's the invitation that's there for you today. And if you haven't accepted that invitation, we want to talk to you. We just want you to know that that invitation is on the table. That's what Jesus is asking you to do, to accept. And we'd love to talk to you more about that. But for those of us who have accepted this invitation, my question is is simply this. Are you experiencing this rest? It's possible to know of this rest in theory, um, but not actually experience it tangibly. And I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a place I reckon i find myself in potentially even most of the time. To know that Jesus offers a way of viewing the world uh, differently and actually yourself thinking about the world differently and experiencing that is two separate things. I think it's possible that you can be a Christian and still, for the most part, feel the same weariness and exhaustion as the rest of the world. And in a year that's been hard, maybe it's the case that You're feeling that right now. You're not feeling super rested. And the idea of having a week at church where we're thanking God for rest, we're not feeling in any way rested seems a bit weird. Um, Or maybe the thought of having an easy yoke is a bit lost on you because it's not been an easy year. I think it's worth noting that having an an easy yoke, an easy invitation from Jesus, doesn't mean having an easy life. Um, John Ortberg, who's, who's written a bunch on this verse, says, easy is a soul word. Not a circumstance word. Not an assignment word. Aim at having easy circumstances and life will be hard all around. Aim at having an easy soul and your capacity for tackling hard assignments will actually grow. The soul was made for an easy life. It was not made for an easy life. The soul was made for an easy yoke. Your soul is made for Jesus. Even though life can be hard and exhausting, the best possible experience of living a life through this world will be found in having our soul anchored in God so, so particularly when life is hard, when we've had a year like the one that we've had, we need to make a deliberate decision and intention to rest ourselves in Jesus every single day we need to take up Jesus' offer we need to, we need to go to Jesus and say yeah I'll come um, again I'll realize that the call of this world to, to do more and have more and just go, go, go is not going to be good for me it's actually going to destroy my soul And so I'm going to stop. I'm going to rest. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to be close to the one who is gentle and humble. I'm going to sit at the base of the cross and just contemplate the goodness of him. I'm going to learn how to block out the noise which is just pulling me in a thousand different directions and sit quietly with God and be at rest like a child with its mother. We need to learn to imitate Jesus again and again and again. He says that it's about learning from him, being yoked with him. It's it's an active word that you're invited into. So, we need to practice resting in Jesus. We need to break free from the idea that I think many of us have that God is somehow more pleased with us when we're getting a whole bunch of stuff done. That God's happy with us when we're productive and disappointed in us when we're not, when we're idle or still. We need to practice resting in Jesus. I I, I grew up in a, I think the the Christianity I grew up in, maybe it's just the way I heard it, but I basically seem to be saying that there's ten commandments that are all really important except for the one that says slow down for a day stop and enjoy God and, and don't do a whole bunch of work. Um, it's kind of weird the way that I think about it now that of all the ten commandments the one that I've kind of neglected the most is the one that feels the best to actually do. To actually take a break every week and slow down, enjoy God for who he is and, and rest. We need to learn the way of Jesus to centre our souls in God. Arrogance is the case that when you do this, when you find yourself truly at rest, you also find yourself being more thankful. I think busyness is one of the like biggest blockages to being thankful. If you're only thinking about what you've got to do, what needs to get done, you can't just stop and reflect on the the countless good things that God has placed all around you. Whereas when you slow down and stop and be with God, you just notice that there's just nice things every day, from the weather to the food to 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 anything. So I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to take some time to rest. Between now and Christmas, I reckon for many people, it's going to be a busy time. Hopefully between now and then you can rest. But maybe after Christmas, in that kind of sweet time between Christmas and New Year's where there's not a whole lot necessarily going on, I want to encourage you to to even now choose a day in that time that you're just going to rest. Not you're going to catch up with everyone that you can or do all the errands or paint the house or whatever else needs to happen. Not even that it are just holiday. Um, I know many people have a holiday over the next little while, but it's, I think it's something more than that. It's having time to stop and be with Jesus, to reflect on Him, to talk to Him, to listen to Him, to be still with Him, to sit at the cross and learn from Him and to be thankful. I'm going to pray that we can do this. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank You for Your Word and I want to thank You for the rest that you offer us and the invitation that it is to come to you to lose our burdens uh, and to have really nothing in us or nothing weighing us down to, to stop us from being able to relate to you fully. Lord, if there's anyone here who is uh, not sure what they make of you, maybe haven't accepted this invitation, I just pray that whatever it is that's, that they need to think through, talk through, um, understand in order to do this, that you will just help them with that that there might be people in this room, in this city that are accepting this call, this invitation to a life of true rest. And we just pray for us as a church as we come into a time of year where hopefully we do have opportunities to slow down, that we would slow down and be with you, that we would be in your word, with you in song and in prayer. um, And that we would just be thankful for this, that you are not more pleased with us when we're busy, but you, are warm and gentle and humbling heart towards us. And so we thank you really for you. In Jesus' name, Amen.